In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you, mate? It's good. It's, it's weird to have this guest on today. Someone like, you've been talking for six months on Twitter, and now they're finally on the show, so uh, looking forward to it. My, myself, personally, I always listen to uh, Locked on Browns every single day, so it's an honour to, to say, Jeff. Jeff Lloyd, how are you, mate? Uh, couldn't be better. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, uh, you know, some wins and getting to play this franchise quarterback that everybody's waiting to see would be uh, a little interesting. Uh, you know, uh, if you're not winning, you might as well, you know, go ahead and see what you got with the guy that you pretty much have everything invested in. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, you know, obviously with Thursday night game here, then you got a 10, 10 day layoff before you play again. I mean, obviously that's a perfect time if you're going to make any changes or if something you want to tweak, it's probably going to come after that Thursday night game. So we'll see then. So. You are the most perfect guest to have on the show before <laughs> I need to know, are you a Jets fan or a Browns fan? I was a born Jet fan, but I wasn't born that way. I have older brothers. Uh, every one of my family were Giants fans. So every week, you know, and, you know, here back in the day, you only got the local games. You know, there was maybe one national game a week. So I'd watch the Giants win a lot of games. I'd watch the Jets lose a lot of games. And I just kind of got sick of everybody just rooting for the Giants. And it was like, well, one day the Jets will be good. And there were a couple of spaces here and there where it was like, ha-ha, it's my year. But uh, no, no Super Bowls or anything of that thing. Um, no, when uh, about, uh, about a year ago, when I was looking to get back into it, I had to take a little bit of layoff because my father-in-law had gotten ill. So my wife needed me to pretty much take over the kids so she could tend to him. And then when I was like, I was like, I miss it. I, I want to go back. And, and my wife's like, she's like, you have my blessing. But I was like, I, I want something new. I want something totally different. Something that was going to, you know, and I knew the Lockdown Network. I have a lot of friends who host shows there. You know, so they had put me in touch with the owner, David Locke. We spoke and he's like, well, I, you know, he's like, Lockdown Browns is open. I he was like, well, I love the draft. I love the roster building procedure of the NFL. I said, you know what? Let's go for it. Okay, great. And on Thursday. You got my second child. <laughs> Excellent. And on Thursday, who do you want to win, the Jets or the Browns? Well, here's the thing. I have now hosted, come September 22nd, which is Saturday, I will have hosted this show for one full calendar year. I have yet to talk about a Cleveland Browns regular season victory. <laughs> so I, I, I need the Browns to win. I mean, I'm going a full calendar year without talking about one. So uh, if you could you do it for me now, guys. Otherwise, we're talking maybe October or something when I get to finally see another game. So let's just get it out of the way. Look, the Jets got one win. I don't think either one of these teams are making the playoffs. It's all about establishing the youth on both rosters. So uh, if the Jets want to do me a favor here for following them for 30-plus years and you know, roll, uh, lay over and roll a, you know, lay an egg on Thursday night, I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, the, the game will finish gone 4 o'clock, probably about half 4 in the UK. I've got a bottle of champagne in the fridge. If we win... That bottle of champagne is finally getting open. It's been in there for about six months, waiting for the right moment. And uh, I'll be drinking until the sun comes up. Work will not happen the next day. And uh, I can't wait. 
I absolutely agree 100% with you. Yes, because, uh, you know, I, I try to do a post-game show either way. So I could be hammered and pissed off, or I could be ha- hammered and happy. We'll see how it works out. And, uh, Jeff, on Thursday, how are you going to watch the game? Oh, I'll just be home. I mean, it is a school night. I'm actually, I'm looking forward to it. And it's going to be interesting because here's two teams, you know, with, with some good, with some sloppy, and you never know what's going to happen on this short week where they only get three days of preparation. Okay, great. So um, I'm going to ask you a, a double question here. What are you willing to give up for either the Jets or the Browns to win the Super Bowl? Let's see. I mean, I, I see the body part here. Um, uh, last summer, I actually burned a pretty significant part of my arm in my hand. Um, I'm a righty, so I kind of need this one. So I guess the burning part was there. But, I mean, I'm not really a two-handed typer anyway. So I guess what, man? It's true to- to, to report on a Lombardi, this hand's all yours, guys. <laughs> it's gnarled up anyway. No finger, no finger straight. See, I mean, they're all messed up. Yeah, I mean, this one's about 90% shot anyway. This one can go. And would that be for the Jets or the Browns to win the Super Bowl? Either way. Either way. I mean, look, they're never going to play for the Super Bowl. I mean, they're never going to play each other in the Super Bowl. And, I mean, the odds of me losing this dependence and both these teams winning a Super Bowl are probably, you know, I've got, what, maybe another 30 years on this planet. So we'll see how that works out. Um, I, I honestly, just to, the best part would be to know either one of them got to the AFC Championship game. So that way either Jets fans or Browns fans are guaranteed they're going. All right, great. Now, how about this? If Jets got the Browns in a Super Bowl final, would you... No? It can't happen. No, if in the AFC. We can both get to the AFC Championship. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. You don't know very much about the NFL, this one. No. <laughs> if they got to the Championship final... <laughs> Would you take off both your arms? That was my question. <laughs> take off both my arms. <laughs> no. no, I need to drive. I, I got to be able to drive. I, my wife drives like crap. I can't have her taking me everywhere, dude. Okay, great. Um, all right, great. So um, what's your views on uh, Josh Gordon at the moment? It, it's If you guys had listened to the show, in middle through the summer, I, I kind of, as great as he is and the talent he is, when the whole not coming to camp thing, it, it, irked me and it got me aggravated and I did a bunch of shows saying that look he needed to be here by week three of the preseason because he had new quarterbacks and there's only so much you're learning in OTAs you know and then he did show up so you kind of did you know tried to talk yourself back into it again but you've got to look at it from an organizational standpoint you've got players on this roster right now who are better players who have shown more and performed Miles Garrett Larry Ogunjobi these guys are your foundation you can't have young guys looking across the way and saying, this guy gets to do whatever the hell he wants to do. But we all told the line. So I think that just what came to the point, and I think that's what John Dorsey was. And, you know, and what my, my thing was is when is the 52 other guys on the roster going to become more important than whatever Josh Gordon's going through or whether he wants to be here right now or he doesn't want to be here right now. And, you know, whatever happened that Friday night and a Saturday morning, I think they just decided, and you know, so whoever shocked about it, I mean, they did say it was a zero tolerance policy. So if he got hurt, you know, at a photo shoot or whatever, that qualifies as a zero tolerance policy. And that's where it got where we are. I mean, you know, granted, it was stupid to say you were going to cut him right away because, you know, obviously you did end up trading him and maybe it hurt value that you could have traded him. But at the end of the day, I mean, they've done this forever with this, with this, this franchise has done with, with this player forever. And what have they gotten out of it? It's not like there's been a playoff run. It's not like there's been a division title. It's not like you're holding on to some party yesteryear with Josh Gordon. They just, they just had a severed ties. I guess it was finally their time. 
yeah, I'm just happy it's over. As soon as there was the training camp, he's not turning up. I was saying to people, just get rid of him now. I was happy at that point just to cut ties and be done with it. Um, if you had another player in like five years that had been out that often with an injury rather than off the field problems and caught, I think it was 44 catches in five years, you'd have cut, everyone would have been going, cut them by now. We don't want that player on our roster because, and it wasn't like, the, my main annoyance with this, and it's the same as what Pete Smith's been echoing, is we were going into this season and the whole offense was, well, he's our wide receiver number one. It's madness. You need to have your three wide receivers. And then if you have Josh Gordon as wide receiver four, five or six, and you're going, right, if we lose him, doesn't matter. If he's there, it's just a nice little bonus. That would have been okay. The whole idea that we didn't make moves in the offseason, we could have picked up Gasecki or Cortland Sutton in round two rather than a running back. It would have been just so much better for the franchise. And I think now he's gone, they'll look at the wide receiver room and finally go, actually, we need to do something. So I think it'll be much better for us in the long run. I, well, the issue was, I mean, what was the thing is, is he was just so dynamic. And look, I mean, a lot of it's based on whether or not you still think he was the same guy he was in 2013. Nobody knows. We have no way of knowing if he's still that dominant of a player. But a lot of people could, it would have made their lives easier. Just like Miles Garrett makes everybody on that defensive line easier because two, three people got to pay attention to him. A, a guy of Josh Cal Gordon's caliber did provide that. But at the end of the day, at what price are you paying on you know, your locker room? room you know your management who's got to go home every night and say oh my god i pray he got this car and went back to his house you know and that's what he chose to do this evening and you just eventually you just you gotta i mean there are guys here who have character concerns but i mean josh gordon it's it's five six years eventually you, you just gotta say, say to yourself when is enough enough guys what do you think about a, a fifth round pick for him you think that's fair i i think it's i include the fifth and the seventh um, the thought that Josh Gordon is going to be active for uh, 10 games uh, for the rest of this season, I just I can't see it happening. So a fifth or a seventh, you move up a round and a half, fine. It's, it's not amazing, but it will do. We've got something back. And uh, as we've seen from Dorsey, he's good on day one, good on day three of the draft. Don't trust him on day two now. But uh, hey, he, he works some magic <laughs> in the fifth round. Let's see what he does next. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, at the end of the day, you take it because, I mean, you committed yourself with that first statement Saturday night that you were just going to release him. So at that point, you know, you really lowered your bargaining power. And look, I mean, you can find guys on day three. I mean, you look, Desmond Harrison, who's starting at left tackle right now, they could have easily taken him on day three because they had high intentions of what he could possibly done for him. You know, when you get in that late part of the draft, it's a crapshoot. But, you know, like you said, a guy like Jannard Avery, or you can always have a couple extra pick or two to, you know, to uh, find a way to move up, you know, earlier in the draft. It, it's, it's better than obviously just outright releasing him. Good. And um, Rod Strettler, thoughts, headline thoughts on him? He won't be there the start of week four um, when we play. I think he's very much a holding piece until they find who they want. So uh, I, I think when uh, the Raiders game comes along, you won't be on the roster. Oh, Rod Streeter, uh, I mean, I think that was they just found the first free agent veteran available. Um, they know he can cover a kick if they need him to, something of that nature. But at the same respect, I'd rather go chase down a practice squad, go find some 21, 22-year-olds who ain't getting a shot somewhere, and, you know, bring them in. Look, obviously Jarvis Landry's got no problem, you know, letting these guys follow him around and pick his brain on how to become better receivers. So, you know what? You got Ratley, you got Callaway, you might as well bring another one in. So, you... you um Braxton Miller's the one I thought was worth a little punt. 
Uh, he's on the Eagles practice squad at the minute. Just uh, bring him in, see what he does. Um, obviously, there was some promise there. Whether he's actually going to do it, who knows? But uh, I think that might be a pump worth taking. And you never know, though. With Philly right now, they have some they have injuries and his, uh, issues right now at wide receiver position themselves. So you can block a practice squad player by elevating him, and you know that, that could be something. But I mean, it ain't too hard to find a 21, 22 year old guy, you know, to throw in a roster and make your six wide receiver. Yeah, great. And uh, Jeff, what's your views on the uh, kicker situation at the moment? Uh, I mean, it was just. I mean, just it was just horrible. I mean, you know, maybe because it's older. Maybe I'm older. I got kids. It was just so brutal to watch this guy fall apart. And then, I mean, and then and the best part was you seeing some people get excited when he was lining up from 52 yards to try and tie it. He already missed a field goal. He already missed two extra points. I mean, there was no way in the world he was going to make that. You know, the abuse him and his family take on social media is just absolutely horrible. I mean, but you knew it. As soon as that game was over, and, you know, sorry, Zane Gonzalez, your career here is done. You know, it's tough being a kicker. You, you've got an important job, but you don't get a lot of opportunities to do it. Obviously, it didn't work out for him. And, you know, we're on to the next guy who we don't really know much about other than the fact that over the summer, he looked really good for the Dolphins. They think that, you know, that he's, got, uh, he's got a solid leg. to see whether or not he can prove accurate. But, you know, a lot of times with some teams in kicker position, I mean, you can go through four or five in a season. Yeah, it's one of them that is same as like goalkeeper in football. You make a mistake, then everyone knows about it. Whereas any other position in sort of, Football or soccer, it's uh, it all gets covered. But is your mate, I would say, uh, Paul? How's it feel? Yeah, I've been speaking to him on text, and uh, he says he's he's all good. So um, yeah, I think he knows how serious it is. It's probably career-ending uh, day for him. But yeah, um, he's quite um, positive and upbeat. Um, I think he's going to go back to Houston, uh, Texas now, and uh, chill with his family. I mean, that's all you can do at this point. Go back, clear your head. And look, you know, next Sunday, there's going to be two to three more kickers who have a crap day. And then you'll hear about, what are you going to hear about on Monday afternoon? Zane Gonzalez was brought in to try out for somebody, if he's healthy, obviously. Yeah. I thought the, the one thing that just seemed odd to me is we brought in someone that doesn't have a great numbers in college for doing field goals, which when there's some people out there like uh, Santos was obviously – an obvious one that was linked because of the Dorsey connection. But there's some vets that have done it. Obviously, there's not going to be anyone amazing out there. Um, if you're a free agent, there's obviously something questionable going on. But I would like to have had a little bit more security with whoever I picked up. Yeah, I mean, I guess a veteran name. But, you know, sometimes, you know, even like the case with Dan Bailey, he wasn't even going to come here. He was going to wait for, you know, he was going to wait for a better team to call him. So, I mean, you know, Santos came in, but, you know, maybe he didn't look very good. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, if you're not kicking, if you're not with a team and you're not practicing and you're not practicing your routine, it's got to be a difficult thing to keep your flow going as far as a kicker. I mean, and it's, I mean, they're a bunch of whack jobs anyway. And once the minds go south kickers, it's gone for a little bit of a while anyway. I mean, I don't know if anything really runs any hotter or any, you know, colder than kickers. I mean, look at Dan Bailey a year and a half ago. I mean, he was the greatest kicker in the NFL. And then all of a sudden there he was for six weeks looking for work. Yeah, mate. Jack, this is all this is all your space, mate. It's cap space, mate. Think about it. Bring someone cheap in. Think of all the money you're going to save. No, the, the <laughs> funny thing was I was sitting there chatting to people um, who love a bit of cap on a Sunday night when the kickers kept going wrong and saying, will we now see, after all their misses, Dan Bailey asked for Khalil Mack money um, and Donald Mack. <laughs> <laughs> the market keeps moving when everyone makes a mistake, but 
here's a question I've been chatting with people today. With what happened um, with missed uh, extra points, and all the evidence out there says you're better as a team going for two points every time than going for the uh, extra point. What do you make of that? I know you're not going to do it 100% of the time, but I would say a good 90% of the time, I'd much rather we went for the two points than we uh, kicked that extra point. Well, I mean, you know, the, the reward is can you get something done from the two-yard line as opposed to kicking, you know, the, the field goal, as length, the extra point as lengthy as it is. I mean, if you're a good team, uh, I mean, maybe not the Atlanta Falcons who can't do anything in the red zone, but if you're a good football team, you should have easy enough plays to score from the two-yard line. Um, you know, especially, look, Cleveland Browns, you got a quarterback who's got good mobility. It should be a shotgun formation. You know, you can run your RPOs. You can roll them out. I mean, there's you get a lot, a lot of options. And, I mean, it's, it's really trending that way. It's not so much in the NFL. But high school, college, I mean, it's trending this way. They think it's a lot easier to get the two points. Yeah. Well, we've got Tyrod Taylor. He's a specialist in throwing for two yards. <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole playbook. <laughs> well, let, let's move on. Keep an eye on the time. Jeff, we want to pick your brains about the Jets now, okay? Good. So, um, how are the Jets doing so far this season? Uh, I think week one, you know, obviously, you know, they played a little bit over their head, but I also think that was maybe a little bit of a microcosm that the Detroit Lions are not going to be very good this year. Um, but you, you, defensively, you look at that secondary now. You have a first-round pick and a second-round pick as your starting safeties. Marcus May, whether or not he's back th this week, I don't know. Maurice Claiborne was good last year, but he wasn't cornerback one good. So what do you do? You go get the biggest fish on the market in Trumaine Johnson. So now you put Maurice Claiborne to number two. Uh, they still play Buster, Buster Screen a lot. You guys know about Buster Screen. We all know about Buster Screen. He's still handsy. He commits way too many penalties. Nothing's changed on him. But their starting secondary is a solid, solid group of de defensive backs. Okay, great. Where um – where do you see the uh, Jets' uh, biggest weaknesses? Uh, this team, it's, it's probably been this way, Sue, let me see, uh, 16, 17 years. This team cannot find a pass rusher. They, can just, they just cannot do it. They can't draft them. They can't evaluate them. They can't sign them. Uh, John Abraham, if you remember the name, uh, that was their best pass rusher, and he's been gone from this team. It's got to be 15, 16 years at this point. Um, they're doing a better job of getting some pass rush this year. But, you know, they don't even have a Miles Garrett light. They don't have a Miles Garrett light light. They don't have one guy that you look at and say, all right, that's where it starts. We got to make sure he doesn't get to the quarterback. And that's, you know, they're, they're blitzing less this year because they're getting better rush. But still, there's not a pass rusher on that team that's going to scare you. And um, where do you see the uh, Browns getting most of their um, uh, advantage against the Jets from? Offensively or defensively? Let's start with offense. Uh, I, I think they're going to be able to run. I think they're going to be able to run a little bit here. Um, I am concerned about the matchup of Jarvis Landry. If Tremaine Johnson is on him most of the game, it, it, it's going to be a tough one for Jarvis Landry because Tremaine Johnson can get within five yards, and he is a big, long, physical guy in a jam technique. And Jarvis ain't that big of a dude. And I, his entire game is quickness and getting to the, the stem of his route, or otherwise you're going to have to call passes where he Jarvis Landry is not your first you know in uh first obviously you know option on the route you're gonna have to do more with Njoku you're gonna have to do more with Duke Johnson you know maybe try to you know build off of what Callaway did last week but it's gonna be a tough tough matchup of Tremaine Johnson's following Jarvis Landry around all day yeah and the defense uh Jeff 
Well, uh, week one, their, their offensive line played pretty well. Week two, uh, their offensive line didn't play as well. And if there's anything you really like about this Browns team right now, it is this front four. However they rotate it, everybody seems to be getting you know solid reps. Chris Smith starting last week looked a lot better than I thought he was going to. Larry Ogunjobi right now made Alex Mack look like it's probably the last year of his career. He was literally putting his Alex Mack's ass right into Drew Brees' stomach. He's phenomenal. And Miles Garrett, and, and this is going to be the thing. You know, Miles Garrett, last year's number one pick, primetime game. You got to think Miles Garrett really wants to put, you know, his, the mark out there. I don't think, obviously, because of the success Cleveland's had to this point, people know Miles Garrett like they should. But this could be that game. And then if they double, triple team them, you got Jannard Avery coming off the other side. It, it, they're a fun, fun group to watch get after the quarterback right now. We mentioned uh, earlier there's quite a few injuries, though, to the Browns. Do you think it's going to be all right? Yeah, so the one position I've got concerns with is the free safety. With you got Randall uh, not practicing and uh, BBC Limited, and that's the only concern because if you look at PFF's numbers, I'm a massive lover of everything PFF do. They've got uh, Peppers as the seventh-rated safety so far this season for the whole of the NFL. And it's amazing what happens when you play a player in their actual position. They're really good, and that's probably why he's a first-round pick. And uh, <laughs> suddenly, he is doing what he's meant to do, and he's been phenomenal. So, fingers crossed we don't have to push him 50 yards away from the line of scrimmage um, in the angel position. So, uh, fingers crossed. As long as one of them two get back, I think we can survive with the rest of the injuries. Uh, obviously, you'd like to have Randall. And there is this thing here with the 10 days after. I mean, you can kind of go to these guys and say, look, you know, give it a shot. I mean, if you can only end up going two quarters or two and a half quarters, you've got 10 more days to rest. So, I mean, look, we still have tomorrow to see where these guys are at. But it'll be interesting in that respect. I'd rather have Randall out there, though, because uh, Greenbody Calhoun right now, he's just not looking really, really too good. So, And he only got five reps this past week. So. Yeah, I'd rather not have to put him out there. So, obviously, hopefully, Demarius Randall can, uh, you know, answer the bell on Thursday night. All right, great. Is that Darren Smith still in our uh, squad? He's gone, yeah? So, we haven't got a lot there at all, have we? There's nothing. There's BBC is the only backup. And the, or it's Peppers. And we don't want to see that. Okay. Yep. All right, here's a, here's a big time of the show. Um, Jeff, what's your score predictions for um, Thursday night? I, I got to tell you, it's, it's, it's making me nervous, and I can't believe I'm doing this. And then, you know, I go today and I see the odds that the Browns are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think the Browns are going to win. I, I think you're talking 23-17, something of that nature. I don't think it's going to be a beautiful game by any means, but I'm going to go 23-17 Cleveland. Well, and this was the first win I had penciled in for the season. So uh, I'm going 21-13 to the Browns. I think the uh, defense will have a field day. I think Darnold will struggle. I think he's going to be great long-term, but uh, I don't think this is going to be his day. One thing that concerns me is uh, the Jets receivers, they're some big boys. So it'll be interesting. You know, Denzel Ward, obviously, you know, the one thing he ain't is a big dude. So, you know, you never know. I mean, could lose a jump ball or something there too. But, uh, yeah, no, I think for the most part, I, I, I think Sam Darnold is going to be walking into his toughest test to this point. Yeah, I think it's really important that we shut down Quincy Inouye. Um, I, don't, I haven't seen the numbers for the second game, but the first game, it was something insane percentage of targets. Right? I think he was the third, second or third highest um, targeted receiver. When you look at sort of 
all the other players that are in there. It's like your OBJ, your Antonio Brown. It was all the names you expected. And then just in the top five was Quincy Anumwa out of nowhere. So uh, it was an insane fantasy ad in week two um, because people saw the value. But uh, no, I think it's um, definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, my prediction, Browns 21, Jets 20. You guys, we're going to zoom on them making all these extra points, huh? <laughs> well, if if we miss uh, three extra points, then we get one field goal. There you go. No, I really think that um, the kicker's got loads of swagger and confidence about him. He's he's up for this. He's just going to kick three nice, easy. Uh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Jeff, what's your predictions for the uh, Jeff's total wins for the season? I think you're probably talking maybe six and ten, seven and nine, somewhere in that range. Um, that this team is, you know, they're, they've got it. They've got the quarterback, and this is, you know, obviously what Cleveland's talking about too. You, you know, this is what you need. He's out there. He's ready to go. Okay, great. And um, how many uh, wins do you think the uh, Browns get this year? Four. Five. I mean, if you can go from one in thirty-one to five, ten and one, that'd be a hell of a hell is going forward. Sorry, Jess, so you're gonna go with five, ten and one, obviously, because we already got the tie in the bank. <laughs> okay, excellent. So without further ado, we go on to the um, the Browns bingo generated question round. Here we go. This is uh, Paul's favorite toy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he left the hole open on the bingo machine and all the balls dropped out. Well, anyway, ball number four. Uh, Your favorite, if you had to put money on, which brown would you put money on to make the Super Bowl? To make the Pro Bowl? Yeah. Um, I, I, without saying Miles Garrett, because that's probably just too easy. I'm going to go right now. I'll give you, I'll say Larry Ogunjobi. It'll be another guy who makes it to the Pro Bowl this season. Okay, excellent. What's the next number we've got, Paul? We've got a few balls left there. Ooh, number eight. How many sacks for Garrett this year? Let's see. We're at two through two games. I'm going to go with 16. Ooh. Nice round. One a game. Well, uh, we'll take that. Absolutely. Number one. And that's, what position will the Browns finish in their division? <laughs> I think they're still going to end up fourth. It's going to be a lot closer. I don't have a lot of faith in Baltimore. Um, and because now we're, if you would ask me before the season, I probably wouldn't pick Cleveland to finish higher. But Cincinnati already out to a 2-0 and start. I'm going to say fourth, but you know they'll only be a game or two out of third place. Yeah, I think my, my views have changed since the season started two weeks in. Um, I think it, it's, it will de it's always going to be closer, but I think it will be a very tight second through to fourth, um, and we might just end up fourth. It's, yeah, I think we're going to end up on the wrong side of it. Maybe that tie will help. Who knows? I, I'm still being very positive here, Jack. I reckon second. But, but you've got a bet on that we're going to win it. Well, we've got a tie now, so... <laughs> Mate, Bengals have got two wins. We're only, we're only one and a half off. And we've got to play them twice. There you go. I love the optimism. Same record as the Steelers. Same record as the Steelers. 
So here, here's our favourite question we ask on the podcast. What is your very, very, very hot take for the Browns this season? Oof, that is a good one. That there is n- – let me see here. Hot take. That's a good uh, Hmm, hot. Let's see. What? No Gordon, so we can't do anything that related. Miles Garrett, almost all of it is too easy. Denzel Ward will win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Ooh, I like that one. Very nice. So, thank you so much for coming that's, on. That's where I'm going. I, I mean, feel pretty confident. Of course, guys. You know that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I, I'd be amazed if there's any Browns fans out there not already listening to your podcast. But uh, give it a plug. Um, also, your Twitter. Where can everyone find you? Uh, obviously, guys, you know, iTunes, whatever device you use to, uh, to listen to your podcasts, uh, go ahead, subscribe, uh, rate, review Locked On Browns. Follow Locked On Browns Twitter account. I keep it a follow-back account. It's the best way to communicate with any listeners who like the show. Uh, follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, that's pretty much about it, gents. All right, great. Jeff, thank you very much for all your support uh, since we've started. And thank you very much for coming on the show this evening. No problem at all, guys. Keep up the great work, all right? Thanks a lot, Jeff. We're, we're going to be continuing our uh, stealing the talent off of uh, Locked On. We've got another fantastic Locked On guest coming on next week. So uh, make sure you keep listening, guys. Uh, it's one of my favorites. So uh, I can't wait. No problem, guys. Thank you very much. And uh, last question. How did it feel being on the other side of the mic, Jeff? I like being on the other side of the mic. There's less homework. It's a lot easier uh you don't have to worry about doing so much manually um the producing side i am not a great techie person so the production side of a podcast is difficult for me so this is always a welcomed pleasure guys oh keep up the great work and uh thank you very much no problem at all cheers mates change is coming jeff There's change coming, there's change